Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio, and we are super blessed that you could join us here today, taking some time out of what I'm sure is a busy schedule for you, um, so we're grateful for that. Um, just wanted to let you know that uh, Shouts of Grace Radio is uh, ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and so if you are in the northern Utah County area, or I guess it would be the Southern Salt Lake County area. You wouldn't be too far either. Uh, Eagle Mountain, Saratoga Springs, Lehigh area. Then, man, we would love for you to drop by. We have two services that meet on Sunday mornings. One is at 9 a.m. and one is at 11 a.m. And you can go to rhutah.church and you can get all the information there as far as directions and anything else um, that the church uh, can help you with. Uh, if you are a first-time listener uh, to Shouts of Grace Radio, we want to say welcome and let you know, as always, that we have um, platforms on Spotify and um, Apple Music and different things. Um, and so if you want to check that out, you can go to shoutsofgraceradio.com and just click one of the links and, and do what do what uh, uh, electronic gurus do and follow the links. I have very little knowledge about that, but that's there for you. And while you're there, why not listen to um, almost five years worth of Shouts of Grace episodes. And so you can click on a number of uh, topics there, over over 200, I believe, and that's for your listening pleasure. And then as always, if you are a return listener, we just want to say thank you um, for your support. And we always give a shout out to Key Radio for the use of their studios in Provo, Utah. They uh, are a blessing to us. Last week, I uh, did, did something a little different. I, I usually have people here in studio um, or on the line, uh, different pastors and church leaders who have experiences, um, you know, in life, walking with Jesus and disappointment and, and everything else. And so we usually talk um, together, um, either on the phone or, or, or in studio. And then so last week I decided to do something different, just something was on my heart. And so I'm soloing it last week as I am this week as well. Um, and I kind of wanted to do a part two or a takeoff from last week. Last week we talked about uh, the gospel and, and, and what it is and why it's the power of God to salvation. And we talked about what, what the two reactions to the gospel have always been. Um, and that is some are convicted by it and they're drawn to repentance and others are repulsed or enraged by it and they stop up their ears and they want nothing to do with it and they fight back. And, and just the idea um, that because of those two reactions, a lot of churches today um, kind of balk at declaring the whole message of the gospel um, because they don't like that second part. They don't want people to be offended. And so they're looking for ways around the offense, even though Peter says very clearly um, when he writes his first letter, he says that Jesus Christ, the gospel, 
is a rock of offense. It's a stumbling stone to every person who encounters it. And so um, from the very beginning, that's that's an immovable reality. And so um, we shouldn't be people that are trying to remove the offense and hope that somehow a watered-down gospel on the front end will lead to this uh, this beautiful, holy, uh, loyal life on, on the back end. Because the truth is, if the soul isn't converted— from the, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light on the front end, they remain in the kingdom of darkness. And we ought not ever think that a person who isn't a Christian can act like a Christian and then, and then will eventually become a Christian. That is a backward message. It's twisted. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change how we love people on the front end. Of course we love them. We love them by telling them the truth. And if they reject the truth, then we still love them as an unbeliever. But what we don't do is we don't seek to modify that truth or remove that truth so that they could somehow hang out with us and and like our conduct or our testimony or our love for them will be the thing that really grabs them in community and catches them and then they'll be saved. No, we don't treat a person as if they belong to the church before they become part of the church. And the thing that does that is the gospel. And so we share the gospel unapologetic on the front end, lovingly, but not misunderstanding that we could never demonstrate a love greater to the sinner than God has already demonstrated in the person of Christ. And so if, if we are so arrogant as to think that our community and our relationship with them will be the power of God to salvation and not the gospel, then, then we're sadly mistaken. We share the truth with them, then we love them, and we walk with them until they make that decision and they become a part um, of the kingdom. Now, that, that may seem like, you know, pretty, you know, basic 101 Christianity, but, you know, the truth is the church is ex- struggling extremely with that today because what's happened is what Jesus calls the harvest, you know, that look, look up because the harvest is, is, you know, ripe, it's white, it's ready, people are ready to come. Um, what has become the harvest has become an idol, meaning the most important thing, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is that the sinner isn't offended. And so we will do whatever, say whatever, in order to not offend them, even if that means compromising some of our beliefs and convictions or even changing them. And oftentimes where you see this is in is in real life where rubber meets the road. For example, you might have a mom and dad who who are Christian. They follow they follow the Bible. And so their convictions about, let's say, you know, I don't know, same sex marriage, you know, let's say that, you know, they believe that homosexuality is a sin. And then what happens is they encounter somebody close to them, maybe a relative or, or maybe someone in their own home, like a, like a, a you know, a, a, a son or a daughter. And, and now all of a sudden the compassion, the natural compassion that they should have for their family member. Now, because that person is in this place, they don't want to hurt them or offend them and they want to show them acceptance. And so they no longer hold to the convictions that scripture says they then honor, listen, this is going to hurt. They honor the relationship of that relative more than they do the word of God, thinking that the two are mutually exclusive, that it's one or, or that it's one or the other. I either have to show God loyalty and reject them and walk away from them, which they're not willing to do and they shouldn't have to. Or, you know, I, I reject God and I go after, you know, them and their new, you know, their, their new look on life. And I'm saying you don't have to do either one of them. You can, you can show loyalty to God and you should, and you can call something a sin and you can present the gospel unchanged, unwatered down, and you can still love the sinner, whether they accept it or not, you know? And so unfortunately there's this mind shift amongst Christians 
that we have to change our convictions and our beliefs to accommodate the sinner so they'll come to repentance as if somehow we can demonstrate a greater love to draw the sinner than the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we talked uh, a lot about that last week. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. This week, what I'd like to do is follow that same vein because what's happened inside the church is something that if we don't change it or we don't expose it and we don't light it up, then my fear is that we will hasten what Scripture says will be the end times. One of the things indicative of the end times will be an apostasy, a falling away from the faith, because we are allowing things to be introduced, not just introduced into the church, but they're becoming staples. They're becoming stakes in the ground where our theology is changing and our theology drives our convictions. And so now the love of God is demonstrated in ways that the world tells us it should be demonstrated rather than God's word. And so we're super confused about marriage. We're confused about gender. We're confused about just a number of things that are just plainly and clearly natural and evident to to anybody. Um, and, and now what's happening is Christians are really struggling with this, thinking that the love of God and the demonstration of Christ to the world is attached to the world being accepted however it wants to be accepted. So in essence, the, the world's laying the cover charge down on what it will take in order for us to have access to them and then to share a message, and we're paying the cover charge. And the cover charge is Christ is becoming, the sacrifice of Jesus is becoming less and less relevant, and the person's emotions and feelings is becoming, you know, being brought to the forefront. And what we're watching happen before our eyes is the very thing that happened in uh, Judges. Judges 3, and every man does what's right in his own eye because there was no king in Israel. Well, there is a king, I will say, and he sits on the throne in heaven. He is not confused about any of the things we are, and so we need to look to him and bow our knee to him. And so uh, today what I want to do is I want to start off in in this place and, and encourage Christians. I want to encourage faithful Christians. And if you're a church leader or a pastor and you've kind of fallen victim to, to a lot of the nonsense that, that people are saying, you know, is going to make you relevant. Um, you know, I, I'd encourage you there, there's a church, uh, there's a letter to one of the churches in revelation. And one of the things that said to Philadelphia, I think it's, I think it's profoundly, um, you know, relevant to our day is the Church of Philadelphia said to be few in number. I like that. They weren't really large. They weren't like they had these massive congregations, um, you know, but here's what they were. It says that um, that Jesus said he, he had some things for them. In fact, he didn't have anything against them. Um, and he says that he laid open a door that no one could shut, and he shut doors that no one could open, and he says, because you have kept my word um, and, and you're about being, you know, you're, you're patient, you're enduring, enduring. He says, you're few in number, um, but he says, I'm going to keep you from the, from the temptation that's going to try the whole world. The whole point is there was a faithful church that didn't care about the numbers. They cared about the word. And because he said, you kept my word, I'm going to keep you. And so if you're listening, um, I'd encourage you uh, to follow along today. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a small little section out of Jude. Um, Jude doesn't really have a chapter. It's just, you know, one chapter, <laughs> one letter. Um, and it's not a long one. It's a short one. But I want to read the passage. And then um, I kind of want to kind of pick it apart on the other side of the break. And so here's what it says in Jude 3. Beloved, 
although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. In other words, he's saying, man, I would love to sit here and talk about how wonderful everything is and how great God is. And we just got this commonality and, you know, there's unity. He said, I, although I would love to talk to you about all the unity in Christ right now, he said, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints because certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and they deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to look at this a little bit more on the other side of the break. Jude is saying, man, I want to talk about unity. I want to talk about all the good things that God brings to the table for all the churches and we can all grab together, you know, gather together. Yes, but I found it necessary to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith because people have crept in and they are ungodly. So let's talk about that a little bit more. You're listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. Welcome back to the program. Just before the break, um, I read a portion out of Jude, and verses 3 and 4. Um, you know, today we're, we're kind of doing part two of last week where we talked about the gospel and the need to proclaim the gospel in a way where we understand it has, it's going to have um, power to say, but in that it's going to convict and it's going to enrage. It's going to do both things. Um, and so as part two, I wanted to look at this here in Jude. And so what Jude said before the break was, hey, you know, we have a commonality in Jesus. I wish I could talk about that right now. But there's a necessity that I talk about this contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And the reason is because ungodly people have crept into the church and they're really making merchandise and they're denying Jesus in their actions and in their beliefs. So what's happening today, folks, is... It seems like in this interest to just kind of love everybody and, and accept everybody how they are, any talk to the contrary is being met with aggression, both outside and inside the church. Our, our media drives it in the culture. You know, God forbid you should ever say anything about life beginning at conception. How, how disgustingly mean are you to, to the people that, that have you know, power over their own body? And what about a teenager? You're saying they got to go have their baby and you guys are just, you're so evil. And so what's happening is, is what, you know, we had anticipated, you know, many years ago is evil is being called good, right? And good is being called evil. And, and so what's happening is the church doesn't want to touch it. They, they don't want to touch that. They don't want to touch gender. They don't want to touch same-sex marriage. And, and you know, as, as depravity continues its spiral, you know, downward, um, new things are going to come up in the next, you know, several years where the church is going to feel like everything that's political, everything that's controversial, 
you know, you, you hear this. We don't really touch the things that are controversial. We just want to preach the gospel. We just want to talk about Jesus because, you know, we want to talk about Jesus' love. Okay, I get that, and so does Jude, because that's what Jude said. He goes, I just, well, I wish I could just sit and talk about the love of God and the things he unites us in the commonality. The problem is, because of what's coming against us and because of who has come into the church and that they're evil, I don't have... The luxury to just talk about all the lovey-dovey things and the good things of God. I got to tell you, you got to contend for the faith. What does that mean? It means you got to fight for it. So for the leader or for the churches to say, well, we just, you know, we don't want to go there about abortion or gender or marriage. We're all about Jesus. Okay. You can be about Jesus, but if you don't contend for the faith, I'm submitting to you, it isn't going to be long before you're not even about Jesus. You're not even going to be about the Savior and talking about God because he's going to be hated. He's already hated. He's going to be hated within the church for from those who, who hear who he really is. He, he's the one that, yes, goes to the adulterous woman and says, where are your accusers? I have none. Neither, I do, ne- neither do I condemn you. And all the church stands up and says, praise the Lord. There's no condemnation until his next words, go and sin no more. Whoa. You mean she was sinning, but she fell in love with the guy. You know, she has a story. What if her old husband and, you know, had beat her and now she founds a man of her dreams and he just happens to be married. I mean, in the end, isn't love the most important thing? There can't be borders or parameters on love or, or sexual expression or any of that, right? Well, the problem is, is there is a borders on that stuff. And so when the church, and, and that's what we are, we're salt and light, brothers and sisters. We're just supposed to be in this world in order, listen, to yes, give them Christ. But when evil comes, we confront it. We don't run from it out of fear that nobody will come to our church. God, let it be that if it means for me to be quiet about sin, that my church would be full of people that are just heralding sin, I would pray that never be the case. I would pray our church would have five people that can turn, 12 people that can turn the world upside down who believe what God says, rather than 50,000 people that balk at what he says and they turn truth into sensuality. And so Jude is saying, listen, you need to contend for the faith. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that like Peter, we, we grab a sword and we just start whacking off people's heads and ears. And, you know, d- does it mean that we go and we take up arms and we burn stuff down that we don't like? You know, you guys, you know, pass these laws or what does it mean to contend for the faith? Well, it starts with the gospel and the gospel calls people to repentance and it calls people, as we saw last week, to repent from sin. So when God defines something as sin, That is our mission. Our mission now, listen, isn't to go sniff it out in people's lives, but to contend for it means we're ambassadors for Christ. As 2 Corinthians 5 says, an ambassador is someone who has all the rights and privileges to represent not themselves, but the one whom has sent them. So Christ has sent us into the world to to be salt and light. And when we encounter evil, then we call it evil and we call people to repentance. That is part of the Christian's responsibility. As we do that, listen, you are going to meet an aggression from this world, right? All that's of the world, 1 John 2, verse 15 says, is not of the Father, it's of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of, you know, the the pride of life, all of that is of the world. And so when you go to minister to the world, you are going to have to contend for truth. 
Listen, that doesn't make you unloving. You hear me? That doesn't make you unloving. It makes you faithful to God. And so the church needs to understand that just as there were tares and wheats inside of, of, of Jesus' day, as, as, and it's been the case ever since, and, and, and they grow with the believer and they look a lot like the believer, Jude is saying, look, there's people, there's ungodly people that have made their way in, and you have to contend for what's right and what's true. And folks, this has always been the case, right? And it's a responsibility because there's a danger there, folks. The Bible says in 1 John 4 that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. Do you know what that means? It means that there is this spirit that you can't see that is moving. It's moving through people. It's moving through organizations. It's moving through government. It's a spirit of Antichrist that's working, drawing people away from Jesus Christ, by confusing them, by confusing them about things that are basic to humanity, by confusing them about truths that are, that are paramount to, to, to their soul, that, that, that affect the direction of their life by giving them false beliefs and false religions. And so one of the things that Jude says here that's important is he said that these are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Let me give you some 21st century context to that. What that means is there are people that explain grace in such a way that allows you to do whatever you want and think whatever you want and puts it under this giant banner of perversion where you sensuality, you can live and express yourself however your desires are because God is a God of grace and everybody, you might hear this, everybody's on their own path and it takes time and so what happens is we don't call sin sin we place it under grace as if somehow that relieves us from calling something that's wrong wrong and what jude is saying is that's what's existing here right now and so you need to contend for the faith listen god is gracious to the sinner but we need to call sin for what it is not hide it not pervert it and the grace of god is perverted in many ways sometimes it's perverted by people thinking that they can work their way to god or they can do whatever they want you know i i you know god loves me and so i'm just trying to figure it out and there's no change in their life whatsoever right the day they accept jesus is the same as they've been for the last 5 10 15 20 years because why because god is gracious well we should read the character that God expresses in Exodus 34 when he puts Moses in the cleft of a rock and he goes, now, let me tell you who I am. Do, do, do you want a picture of who I am? Do you want an image of who I am? It ain't what's hanging on your picture and on your wall in your home. Here's who I am. He says he's gracious and he's merciful and he's slow to anger and he's loving kindness. And then he says this, not by any means excusing iniquity. So we're clear. The nature of God doesn't excuse iniquity. It transfers iniquity of a person who lives by faith onto the Son of God, yes, and gives them righteousness, yes, but he doesn't excuse it. So this idea that I can continue to sin so that grace may abound, Paul said in Romans 6, 1, God forbid, how can I which are dead to sin live in it any longer? So the perversion of grace within the church, which Jude says, I want you to go to con go contend for what's right and true. The perversion of grace is people just living how they want. 
Live how you want. Live sensual. Express yourself. Do what's right in your own eyes. And then we'll just take all that life and we'll stick it under grace and we'll live in deception our entire lives until one day we have to stand before God and we realize that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Folks, that is not the Christian life. And so I encourage believers to, yes, live in grace, in mercy, because your existence depends on it, right? Boldly come to the throne of grace in time and need. But listen, call sin, sin, and don't believe for a second that is unloving or hateful for you to earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. It's a mandate. There'll be times when we can sit back and talk about all the commonalities and all the things that unite us, but you should be a faithful believer and know that part of your walk with God is you need to contend for what is good and what is right and what is holy, despite what a church says to the contrary or what a government or a society says. Hey, we're out of time for today. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on Shouts of Grace. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.